0: Good morning. It's very easy to take things out of context. I've discovered about myself that I'm a verbal processor. So I'm literally determining what I actually think as I'm saying the words. Now this has gotten me in a lot of trouble before because I've been saying things that I don't know, I'm still developing them, but people Receive it as if it's a well thought through idea that I truly believe And so I've had to discover and I've had to learn to say something like this where I'm, I'm Like about to and I'm like hey, I'm, I'm verbally processing here. I don't know if I believe what I'm about to say But I'll tell you when I get there Because I know that the people hear me and they think that I've already got a well thought through thing when I'm actually processing it out loud, and then I'm taking out of context, and it just goes bad from there. But it's really easy to take things out of context. We, we do that not just with each other, but with the scriptures. We, we have verses that, either personally or as a culture, that we kind of are drawn to, but we don't really know what's actually happening in them. One of them is Jeremiah 29 11. Uh, for the, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. We, we see that around graduation, or we see that as kind of a personal motivator to that we can trust God. Now, while that is true, we forget the context that that was written to a community of people, not an individual, that were in exile because of their disobedience. And he, Jeremiah was having to encourage them to seek the welfare of the city, to... Uh, buckle down and and treat that city well in the midst of their exile. We also take out of context other verses. Uh, I can um, do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We see it at at sporting events. We see it at um, gyms as a personal motivator that if I just set my mind to it, I can do whatever I want. Now we forget the context that Paul in Philippians before this is saying that he's learned to be content He's learned it through suffering, whether he has lack or he has lots of things. And so he can do all things, whether it's being content and dealing with little, through Christ who strengthens him. It's not a personal motivator. It's learning contentment. One of the verses that we also talk a lot about uh, and we take out of context is this idea of judging one another. You may have heard this statement. Don't judge me. Only God can judge me. Now, we forget that the second part of that statement is actually a Tupac song from 1996. It's not a scripture song, but we or a scripture, but we tend to think like, don't judge me. But what does the Bible actually say about judging one another? What are we called to as a community in holding one another to a standard? Today we're going to look at that as a future present community, we are to utilize the wisdom the value system, and the judgment of the future in the present now. Those, the judgment of the future, the values of the future, and the wisdom of the future is what we should be utilizing now. We're in the middle of a series called The Future-Present. And now Paul is establishing the Corinthian church in a new morality that is in line with Jesus' teachings, in line with how we are to be in the future and how we are to live now. And so last week we looked at how he was judging them in the new morality around um, part of a, a sexual ethic. You're, they were ha- They had a person, that was sleeping with their mother-in-law. And Paul went on to say, no, like you can't have that type of immorality around you. This isn't how you are to do it. And at the end of this passage, he then leads to this conversation around not just them doing that, but in this context, they have a lawsuit that's taking place within the church over likely personal property. And so, in the midst of this, this is what he says in chapter 5, verse 12. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? It, is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? Wait a second. Okay. So, we hear often, don't judge me. Like, you're not allowed to judge me. But Paul is saying here, no, no, no. We are to judge those inside the church that within the family of God, there is a judgment that's to be taken place. People think that this is Paul mis, um, misinterpreting uh, an- another of Jesus' statement. And this is in Matthew chapter 7. And this is another one of those taken out of context passages. This is what it says. Chapter 7, verse 1 of, verse, of Matthew. Judge not that you will not be judged. Okay, pause. You take that. It says, hey, judge not. So obviously you and I are not to judge. But let's keep reading what it says. Verse 2. For with the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? And then you will, um, uh, excuse me, verse 5. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus is not talking here about lack of judgment. What he's saying here is you are to judge with the same standard that you use for other people. In essence, don't be a hypocrite. With the judgment that you have towards others, use the same thing for yourself and vice versa. The judgment that you have on yourself, that should be the standard by which you use other people or you judge other people, excuse me. Now, in our day, this often shows up in how we justify ourselves and we judge other people. We often tend to extend grace to ourselves because we understand our motivations and intentions behind our actions, okay? So we can say, we look at our actions and say, yeah, but I know what's going on in my heart. I know my intention. I know I had a bad day. I was frustrated, it came out poorly, and so I'm gonna extend grace to myself and I'm gonna ask you to extend grace to me because my motivations um, were off than my actions. Now, well, that's fine, but we don't do that with other people often. We notice people's actions and we completely disregard their motivations. We disregard their context. We, We take their actions out of context And we judge them solely for that. We extend grace to our motives, but we only judge other people's actions. And a lot of this comes down to what is the standard by which we as God's people are to judge. Because in a lot of times, and in these situations, those are personal preferences. And this is a lot of times a legalistic framework. Like, I think it should be done this way. So, because I think it should be done this way, you should also live according to that way. It's my standard that sets it. Okay? Or it could be a communal standard. Like, hey, we as a group of people, whatever that group of people may be. Now, this happens inside a church. As a church, we could say this. But it also happens in the world, whether it's politically, whether it's socially. This group of people has a standard which they have developed together And therefore, they expect everybody else to live to that standard. Now, those are personal. That could be communal. But that's not what I believe the scriptures are calling us to. It's not my personal preference that I judge you with. It's not even our communal preference that we judge with. The standard by which the canon or the measuring rod or stick that we are to judge one another according to is the scriptures. This takes personal preference out of it, because I am to hold myself to the same standard that I am to hold other people in the church to. This is what Jesus has laid out for us. This is what God the Father has called us to. This is the story that he's invited us to live to. And it does have, that story does have, and his kingdom has, (coughs) excuse me, a new ethical way, a new morality that we are to live that's different from the culture. It's the way life works best. So when I hold people accountable, and when you hold others accountable, it's to be to the scriptures as our standard, the life of Jesus as our standard, not to something else. That's what's happening in Matthew 7. I have a a log and you have a speck. I'm judging you on a different standard than I'm judging myself. And and yet, this is also why this is a hard thing. And this is going to be bold, but I'm going to go here. We are hypocrites. Let's just name it. We don't perfectly hold ourselves or one another to the standards of Scripture. We fudge the lines a little bit. We say one thing and we do another. And this is true of the church, let's be honest. We don't always do what we're supposed to do. Paul even says this in Romans, for what I want to do, I can't do. That The parasitic and pervasive nature of sin is still at work in us. And so we are hypocrites. We don't do this rightly. And yet, there is one who has. There is one who has perfectly lived according to the standard, that has always done what's good, right, and perfect, that always did what the Father told him to do. And he's the one that took on judgment and now extends judgment. It's Jesus. Jesus, who lived perfectly, always did what was supposed to be done in every situation. He was without sin. And in his judgment, in his grace... He says, you know, the judgment that you deserve for being a hypocrite, I'm going to take on myself. I'm going to pay the penalty on your behalf. And I'm going to give you my sinlessness, my righteousness, my holiness. So he can look at you now as the ultimate judge and say, you are loved. You're holy. You're cleansed. I pronounce you innocent. He took it on and now extends us that grace. And that is the standard by which we as God's people are to keep one another accountable to. Yes, we have a standard. Yes, there are times when we don't live up to it, where we hold other people accountable, but we don't want to hold ourselves accountable. And this is where we can come alongside of one another and say, and, and be honest, and and do something like this. Say, hey, I, that was not what we're called to as God's people. And yet, Jesus has forgiven you. He's died on the cross for that. He's bore the weight of that sin, and now you are a new person. What you did is not in line with who you are in Christ. So now let's together become who you are, become who we are. And you see how that judgment and correction takes on a completely different flavor than your sinner repent. It's true, but there's a way in which we can go about it that is more gospel-centered than that. Because let's be honest, we're all in need of that. We're all going to make mistakes. We're not going to live according to the standard. We are going to offend one another. And we need to use that future judgment that God has graciously given us. And we need to use it in the present. So, not only should we use the judgment that is in the future present, we should also use the value. And so... We are seeing now how in chapter 6, Paul changes subjects of this morality. No longer is he addressing this uh, morality with this man. He's now addressing an uh, interpersonal relationship where somebody is suing the other person in the church, likely for personal property. Um, we see this in verse 7. They're talking about defrauded, not being suffering wrong. This isn't, uh, as some scholars a minority of scholars would say that this is a continuation of chapter 5. I believe that this is a separate issue that's happening in the church. Um, and so I'm just going to go ahead and read chapter 6, it's when uh, starting in verse 1. When one of you has a grievance against another, does he get, dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And... Um, And if the world is judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more, then, matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them um, before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to shame you. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brothers. What's likely happening here is that within the church, Christian to Christian, there's somebody who is suing one another over personal property. And what Paul is trying to get them to see is the judgment and the wisdom, and we'll talk about in a second, but also that the value system of the future should be present. And that value system is people over property. This person was taking them to court because they valued their stuff more than the relationships that were happening in the people of God. And so, this value system is what Paul is addressing. Yes, it's definitely the action. They should not be going to court. We should not be suing one another over property because we are to value people more than our stuff. Now, this is an extreme case. But this, also play, this value plays out in everyday life. Do you value your stuff more than the relationships? So, do, you, um, do people get in the way of your property having value, or do you utilize your property to benefit your relationships? Do you use relationships to acquire stuff, or do you utilize the stuff that God's given you to build relationships? In our context, this is about being hospitable with what God has given us. Whether it's our home, our property, our um, our things. That God has graced us. And the ultimate goal is to build relationships with those. And so we, and this is the value system that's underneath what's taking place here. Paul's helping them say, hey, in the future, like people are more important than property. So... Do that now. It would, because people are more important than property, it's better to be defrauded and be in right relationship than it is to be right about your stuff. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded, Paul says. And so people are more important than our property. So how do you use your, the stuff that God has given you to build relationships? Or are you so concerned about your stuff that you don't use it for the sake of building relationships? You don't use your uh, your things for mission. You, you allow them to hinder mission for those that don't yet believe. This is biblical hospitality. So, yes, we are to judge one another, one another within the church. Yes, we are to value people over property. But thirdly, we are to use wisdom in these things this and this is mind-boggling here okay it says do you not know that the saints will judge the world and if the world is judged by you are you not inc- uh, competent to try trivial cases do you not know that we are to judge angels so in the future god's people the saints will be part of the ju- god's judgment of the world um we somehow this passage doesn't elaborate on what that will be, how that will look, what the context is. But you and I will have a part in judging angels on whether they did their job well. So that is an amazing truth that will happen. And Paul is saying, hey, you know that because that will happen? Happen? Use that same wisdom here now. If you're going to judge the, uh, the saints, how can you not you, um, judge one another in wise ways here? Isn't there somebody among you that can handle this dispute so you don't have to go to court with other people? He's encouraging them. You have this wisdom. And he's saying it kind of satirically too. He's saying, hey, you guys think you're wise, but you're not even using the wisdom here around trivial things like property. And so use the wisdom that's available to you. Yes, you are to judge, but do it out of a value system of people over property and do it because you have God's wisdom. Now just to be clear, this is a civil issue. This is not a criminal issue. In our day where you have both within the Catholic Church and with the Evangelical Church, lots of cases and issues that are criminal, of child molestation. That's not something that Paul's addressing that needs to remain in house. Romans 13 talks about the police state and the governing authorities as a way to deal with criminal issues. So that's not saying anything that happens within the church never goes outside the church. That's not what it's saying. But around issues that are civil, that are trivial, like property issues, These are to be handled in house. We don't go airing our dirty laundry because, as he says, you're already defeated for doing that. You're already defaming the name of Jesus by airing the dirty laundry in the church around civil issues. So use the wisdom you have. Use what God, the mind of Christ that we talked about in chapter 2, that's available to you. Use that. So as a future present community, this value system, this judgment, this wisdom we have in the future is what we should utilize in the present. So we hold one another to the standard that Jesus has given us, not to our own personal preferences. We understand that the value behind this is people over property and that the wisdom we have in Christ around trivial cases should be dealt with in the family of God, in your missional community, in the church at large. This is about the name of Jesus being extended. This is about us being who we are. And yes, we make mistakes. Yes, we sometimes are hypocrites. Yes, we sometimes value property over people. Yes, we sometimes um, go before unbelievers when we shouldn't around issues. And this is where we need the grace of Jesus extended to us. That we've been forgiven. We are made whole. We are a new person and a new people. And we are to live like that now. Because one day it will be fully true. And today it is as true as it will be in the future. Let's pray. Father, thank you that as a future present community, you've given us wisdom that we are to use the mind of Christ among us, that you have given us a value of people over property. Thank you that you forgive us when we value property over people. And God, we are to hold one another accountable, healthy correction when we don't live according to the standard of scripture, not our personal preferences, but according to you and your life. And Jesus, we need your spirit to help in this. We need to be empowered by you, graced by you, to be led by the Spirit, to experience the fruits of the Spirit so that we can do who we are in Christ, so that we can live how we are called to live. So, Father, help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.